Habits and Health, Episode 4. Welcome to the podcast where we give you ideas on habits you can create to improve different areas of your health and habits that can become automatic that you do actually do every day. Today's guest is Shannon Beer. Shannon is studied at King's College London. She's an MNU certified nutritionist and she's also an expert in fitness and uh, various other avenues around health which we're going to explore in deeper detail in this episode. If you do like this episode why not share it with someone who you feel may get some real benefit from it. Please do leave a review for us. You can join the Habits and Health Facebook group, start some discussions in there and right now it is time for this week's episode with Shannon Beer. is Shannon Beer. How are you, Shannon? How are you? Oh, well, I'm kind of envious because you're in Bali at the moment and I'm here in rainy England. So, um, yeah, I think you're in a much better place. Yeah, I'm, I'm in Bali because I don't want to be locked down in rainy England. And how long, how long have you been in Bali? I've been here for a couple of months now. Yeah, I kind of escaped Europe as soon as the restrictions were starting to get more um, invasive. And yeah, I, I guess I'm stuck in Bali for now. I'm <laughs> just waiting until the world is back to normal. I can think of worse places to be stuck in. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not a bad place. <laughs> yeah. And you're originally from England? Yes, that's right. I just don't tend to spend too much time back there. And where where from in England? I'm from Essex, so Colchester. Okay. And you're, um, well, in the, the realm of health, I mean, your bio is pretty impressive. I, mean, I, I was going to read everything out, but it, it would take quite a while. So do you want to tell people what it is that you do? Yeah, sure. So I am a nutrition coach working predominantly online. And I would say that I, I'd almost describe myself as more of a health coach than a nutrition coach because I like to help people to achieve their kind of idea of health, which is far more than just physical health and it involves far more than just changing someone's nutrition behaviours. So I like to think of health as um, quite a broad construct. It's also somewhat subjective as well. So I'd say that I um, help people to mostly nowadays it's kind of improving relationship with food, improving relationship with their body and figuring out where they want to go um, in their life in regards to how can their health support what it is that they want to do. So choosing a, a direction um, of things that are getting clear on things that are important to them and then figuring out how their health um, can support those things and moving towards more sustainable changes. So sometimes that involves weight loss. Sometimes it's a weight neutral approach. Um, and I've recently been collaborating with Dr. Gabrielle Fundaro and we have conceptualize a comprehensive coaching framework which utilizes skills drawn from motivational interviewing acceptance and commitment therapy and cognitive behavioral coaching to help move our clients towards um, flourishing health which again is that 
broader idea of health, which expands far beyond the physical domain to include someone's social, emotional, psychological well-being. Um, so talking like social connections, having a healthy um, relationship with the self. And yeah, we're, we're kind of pushing that a little bit more. And we've been fortunate enough to run some webinar series. I've recently also produced a webinar series on body image, which is, um, has turned out to be something that's pretty comprehensive, funnily enough. Um, I had intended just to do a couple of webinars. And then once I got started, I was like, well, there's so much to discuss. And it's now kind of turned into this five um, five part webinar series, probably with more to come in the future. Um, yeah, and we also run the comprehensive coaching community group. So what we're hoping to do is bridge a number of gaps that we see within the industry between health and fitness, um, coach and client to improve the dialogue and also just the dialogue between different coaches as well, because we find that there are so many camps within the fitness industry, you know, like the, the pro diet or the anti diet or the pro this, the pro that, whatever. And we're, we're trying to help people come together, learn from each other, uh, explore different perspectives in order to best serve the people that we're trying to help, which, you know, is our client. So, um, yeah, we, we also run the community group there, which is really cool. We've got a number of coaches in there now, and it's just nice, I think, to have a bunch of people all working towards the same thing. And then we can kind of bounce off each other and, as I say, learn from each other and then have kind of open conversations in order to, to bridge those gaps that we mentioned. Wow, well, there's, there's so much to explore in what you've just said. So let, let me start by what was it got you interested in, in nutrition in the first place? I think I was interested for just my own interests, wanted to know how I could be healthy. <laughs> I just I had this kind of, um, I think I started listening actually to Danny Lennon's podcast, the, the Sigma Nutrition podcast, back when I was at university actually. Um, and I was studying law at the time and was totally disinterested, but just kind of had nothing else to do. <laughs> so I was like, well, I, I'm stuck here. What am I actually interested in? Um, and I remember actually a conversation with a lecturer who said, you know, if you're here and you're not reading up on these things in your spare time out of your own interest and you're in the wrong room. And I thought, damn, I'm in the wrong room. <laughs> and I thought, well, what am I reading up, you know, in my spare time? And that was always things related to nutrition. So I was just interested in for my own kind of purposes and then heard about the Mac Nutrition course that um, you could do online and I also had the idea in my head that once I finished university I wanted to go traveling I thought well hey what's the harm in doing an online course you know as I travel kind of getting to do two things at the same time sounds pretty good to me so I started um, studying under MNU to become a registered nutritionist and that was when I started to work with people as well and I think it was when I started to get feedback from people on you know how much of a difference it had made in their life to have more energy to feel better about themselves to improve their their health um yeah I thought well this is actually really fulfilling you know to be able to help people with with these concerns and it's just kind of gone from there and I just haven't stopped traveling and haven't stopped coaching so <laughs> just kind of going with the flow I think and one of the things I was thinking of as you, as you were talking there, and also what you were saying previous to that about 
you know, you described yourself as a, a nutrition coach and, and a health coach, and and I know you've got sort of qualifications in um, as a nutritionist, I believe. And I, I I get the feeling there's a lot of um, confusion in the public about what is the difference between a nutrition coach, a nutritionist, a dietitian, what you know, and and especially if, again from what there's a difference in England to the situation in the states. So could you explain some of that to maybe um, help people with the confusion around all of that? Yeah, yeah. So um, a dietitian is someone who would have completed a bachelor's degree in dietetics and would work with different populations on different concerns. And I think the issue with the term nutritionist is that it's not protected. So you can have kind of the average person just calling themselves a nutritionist. And if the, the, the client doesn't do any research or just doesn't know, then it's going to be very difficult to actually know who who knows what and, and who's capable of, of dealing with what. So, um, yeah, I think that is one of the, the issues that we face is, as I say, it's not a protected term and you can come across people who may may not be the best choice, um, but then you've also got people who, who do know what they're doing. So I think there's a lot of grey area as well as to who can cover what and who can help with, with what, um, which is why I think it's important to to not stop learning, you know, and to, to always pursue ways of developing your knowledge and developing your skill set. So that's kind of where we've headed with the, the comprehensive coaching framework and have gone down the, the motivational interviewing route and the acceptance and commitment therapy route because it turns out that there's a lot more to helping someone with their nutrition than just knowing facts about food. You know, that's, that's like a tiny piece of the puzzle. And a lot of people that I work with nowadays know, you know, they have a general idea of what would constitute a healthy diet, but the, the struggle is putting it into practice and not understanding one's own obstacles to, to doing that or getting caught up in, in the process. So that's kind of where I see my role. But as I say, there's a lot of gray area, a lot of kind of confusion over, over who can do what. So I guess the best way to, to answer that would be to just be careful, <laughs> do your research before, before signing up with someone if, if that's what you're interested in. And you mentioned a couple of times motivational interview, and I, I've been reading this recently, and I love this book. I mean, I've mm-hmm. probably read it about four times now. So, for and for obviously everyone listening can't see what I'm holding up. So, I'm holding up a book called Motivational Interviewing in Nutrition and Fitness. Um, for people who have never heard of the term, could you explain what it is? Yeah, so motivational interviewing is a communication style that has been described as a way of being with someone to help them explore their ambivalence about making a change. And what I love about motivational interviewing is that I find myself using the skills and the techniques with everyone that I engage with. You know, I don't think it's just a skill for coaches to learn, you know, how to have better communication with their clients. I actually think it's a a fundamental skill for anyone to learn, anyone who has to communicate with anyone else, which is all of us. (laughs) And what I love most about it is that you're you're helping someone to, I guess, almost understand themselves because they're 
talking about a, a change that they may want to make, but they're also exploring potentially the, the reasons that they find the change difficult. And you're there as a, a guide to help them discover the direction that they want to go in. And you have no agenda other than simply being there to listen and to, to help the, the person that you're engaging with explore um, their own desires, I would say. And what we're doing there is is listening for for those those um, indications of the direction that someone wants to go in, and we're helping to strengthen their commitment to making a change by highlighting their strengths um, and reflecting what they've said back to them to, I guess, as I say, help someone determine. Their, their actions. And I think this is so relevant to coaching because often the style can be quite directive. You know, oh, you told me you want to lose weight, well, you need to do this. And mm. that's very rarely effective, if ever, you know, especially not for long-term sustainable results. So just being able to meet the client where they're at and help to, to guide them into their own change I think is one of the, the best things about motivational interviewing. And as I say, it really, really forces you to actually listen to what someone's saying and not to make assumptions, not to put words in someone's mouth and listening with the intent to make a, a reply, but um, listening with the intent to understand um, and then help, <laughs> which is why I think it's, it's such a useful skill. And how would you say that ties in with habits? With, well, I guess to decide what you want to, to engage in, you know, if you're unsure about a change that you want to make, being able to talk to someone about that and, you know, someone who's very helpful at helping you um, can really, I guess, highlight where it is for you to, to make a change in your life, if that's something that you've been considering. Because, I mean, we, we, before we started recording, you mentioned about self-awareness and stuff and it's often people aren't aware of the the good habits they have. They concentrate so much on the bad things that they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think um, being able to to be aware of of your strengths is is something that can be really beneficial. And I think the the reason that I think self awareness is so important is because it's very easy to look at social media and see, oh, you know, I need to have a morning routine, I need to journal every day, I need to meditate, I need to do all these healthy habits. And if you don't understand the the benefits of the habits, whether they're even relevant to you, um, there's going to be no point, you know, trying to, to go jump through hoops to develop this habit if it's not something that is even going to add anything to your life. So I think there, starting from a place of self-awareness is crucial because it's only worth doing something if it's you know, relevant to you and is going to benefit you in some way. Yes, I mean, when you just said that, it made me realise the the word should put so much pressure on people, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. Those kind of imperatives, I think, are, are really harmful, especially if we're thinking about um, flexibility, uh, come to mind in terms of like psychological flexibility is being able to detach from those kinds of stories that we tell ourselves like, I should be doing this I, I should you know exercise this many times per week I should be doing this many steps per day it's like we need to, to be able to um, remove ourselves from from those kind of expectations and always remain aware of what's relevant to us and what's helpful at any given moment so have you ever worked with people who have really struggled with that I think a lot of us struggle with that for sure. Just 
being able to identify your biggest obstacle can be quite hard, let alone putting uh, strategies in place to begin to address those obstacles or even understanding what direction to go in in the first place. So, for example, I work with a lot of people who have um, struggled with fairly restrictive eating behaviours or are a little bit concerned or quite fairly dissatisfied with their body. And the problem is if they give that up, they don't know where they want to head, you know. Well, if my, you know, if I'm not so focused on my body, where does that leave me? Where, where do I? How do I feel good about myself now? You know. Um. So I think establishing that that direction that you want to go in is is super crucial to give you something to move towards, not just something to move away from. Because most people, I think, or with a bit of help, can identify. Oh, okay, I can see that this behavior is unhelpful for me. But I don't know what I want to move towards. So I think you kind of need both there, um, which is where that self-awareness is is really important, but quite difficult to, to get, you know. And yeah, and you touched upon there about body image and you talked about the, the webinars you've been doing on it and how deep you ended up going into it. And so it's it's commonly seen as a very much kind of female thing, but it kind of seems to be getting more and more guys are having problems with this as well. Yeah, yeah. And that's so that's so important to be aware of, because much of the research, unfortunately, has focused on the the female population, whereas men are also under similar pressures in terms of, you know, achieving this muscular um, ideal, very lean, um, which can be quite debilitating in in a similar way to the way that women are affected. And um, I believe that the the rates of body dissatisfaction within men are rising as well. And there has been a lot of work recently calling for the recognition of body dissatisfaction as a public health issue because it does affect so many people worldwide, men and women. And the consequences of that can be huge in terms of the the physical and psychological impacts on one's quality of life so I do think it's a really important issue to address particularly for for coaches who are working with people who want to change their body composition it's like they are likely to be the prime kind of people that um, suffer with a lot of these issues you know what is um, I mean when if someone has a real issue with with the whole kind of body image thing and they're just unable to I mean what, what would you say are the hardest aspects of working with someone who's got a real problem with body image? I think the the hardest thing would be for someone who doesn't recognize that it's a an internal problem in terms of body image is more about how you relate to yourself, the thoughts, the feelings that you have about your experience within your body, um, more so than simply how your body looks. So you can perceive your body to be a certain way, which can be totally different to the actual like physical reality of your, your body. You know, for example, people feeling fat um, has nothing to do with actual levels of adiposity. So... I think the, yeah, as I said, the biggest issue would be for someone who doesn't recognize that there needs to be internal work in order to improve how you feel about yourself. And that has nothing to do with weight loss. Um, fortunately for me, because of the type of uh, the content that I put out, 
when someone works with me, they've already had that realization. They come to me with the expectation that there is additional work alongside any physique change. And I think without that awareness, it's very difficult because, you know, try telling someone who really wants to lose weight, um, is really hung up on their body that, hang on a minute, weight loss isn't the answer. You know, we actually need to do this, this and this. That's going to be a very difficult message to, to get through. And I think, it, it does take a lot of kind of a lot of time, I think, to, to come round to that idea and a lot of patience and I guess again increasing that self awareness. Um, but once once someone's there and is willing and able to engage with the idea of oh you know I need to address these other things, then it's it's we see so much more progress. So I think that's why I would love for people to talk about this more so there is you know people people know because that's the kind of feedback that I've had from these posts that I've been doing is like oh you've kind of touched on something that I knew deep down but didn't actually know why I felt that way or, or whatever it is like people know that they can look back at past photos and think now I looked great back then why didn't I feel good about myself at the time you know I've had so many um, conversations with clients around things like that so people do know like deep down but can't quite put words to it and when you discuss that it's like oh that makes total sense to me now okay I'm open to this idea whereas again if we're just promoting physique changes to, to make you happy and improve your life you know nobody's gonna be open to to doing any of the other work so I think that's why it's really important to discuss these things because in the media there's such an, an obsession with the whole, with the whole calorie thing and and so on and, and that just puts so much pressure on people doesn't it and so I guess most people just and and the whole comparison thing on social media and so on as well just kind of compounds it I guess yeah it's the um comparisons that are, are really quite dangerous um especially in terms of you know like body comparisons to these these photos that you see that are manipulated and unfortunately the the research indicates that even when people are aware that the photos are manipulated that still doesn't affect um body dissatisfaction in terms of you know helping people to feel better about themselves they, they still feel bad even knowing that these photos are manipulated and appearance comparisons can be a, a big cause of body image distress and even um, fitness comparisons and eating comparisons so I think that puts a lot of responsibility on on us in terms of the kinds of content that we put out because you don't know whether it's actually helping anyone or whether it's causing harm so I think that's that's super crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, before you mentioned about you've been working with, uh, I have to make sure I get her name correct. Is it Dr. Gabrielle Fondero? Is it? Yeah. I, I'm fascinated how the two of you came together because she's she's based in the states, and so I'm wondering how you first got together. So I was thinking it was around this time, a couple of years ago. Um, Damn, has it been that long? Yeah, I think it has been a couple of years. Um, so I guess I spent the majority of 2019 traveling and going to different conferences around the world because I was trying to get myself started. And I thought, right, I, I just have to show up at, at everything. So I was hopping around 
uh, different states in Australia, around the US, back home to the UK. I was flying between Australia and the UK to make it to all these different conferences because, again, I just thought, you know what, if if I go to all of them, then at least I can say I tried. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the, the thought that I had in my head. So, yeah, we first met in London when I flew back from Melbourne to, to go to a couple of conferences there and, and we had a conversation and then just stayed in touch through Instagram. I saw her again at a different conference a couple of conferences in Australia and then I was heading to America again just floating around and and traveling and and going to different conferences and uh, she was based in Colorado at the time so we I had a spare week or had a spare couple of days so I went to visit her then Um, we caught up and then I saw her again in Florida for a different conference and then we went to Madrid at the start of last year. So, yeah, we've just been kind of hanging out together and just discussing these concerns that we had about trends that we had seen within the industry. And we started collaborating first on an article series that was supposed to be just one article. And then it turned into a series of articles. And then we had just a lot of good feedback from the types of things that we were speaking to and people were requesting more from that. And I guess we just kind of developed the comprehensive coaching framework fairly organically. We thought, well, this kind of all makes sense. Let's put all of this together and and kind of, you know, figure out where we're going with this. And then we had some input from different psychologists and experts in those fields who wanted to chip in with what we were doing. And then we updated the framework. And as I say, we had people asking for webinars. So we did those. Then we had people asking for a community. So we did that. So we're just kind of going with the flow as well and just you know, kind of communicating with uh, the coaches that we're, we're helping and also our clients. So, yeah, it's all, it's all been um, fairly just a, a funny kind of journey. And I think we're, we feel like we're on to something here and we're just following the, the threads and seeing where they take us, essentially. And so who would you say it's aimed at and how would it help them? I think the, the comprehensive coaching approach is aimed at everyone. You know, it's it's for the 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 whole idea behind it is that we meet people where they are at and we utilize a range of tools and a range of different approaches um in order to to best serve the person that we're we're working with so in terms of client base you know again can coach someone who has sports performance goals someone who has physique goals someone who needs to do more of the internal work in terms of becoming more flexible with their eating behaviors and improving body dissatisfaction. Um, and in terms of the, the framework, we're really geared that towards coaches who, who have kind of come to similar conclusions to ourselves in that, you know, there, there's far more to, to health than just helping people to achieve certain physiques. And actually there have been a lot of harmful practices and, wanting to find that middle ground between you know the idea that weight loss isn't necessarily conducive to improved health in all circumstances and we need to be able to offer far more than that and as I say we've got this idea of flourishing health which is really a key part of the framework because that's what we're moving towards helping someone to to experience good health across different domains in their life and making sure that they're health and fitness goals support that rather than detract from that which can can sometimes happen 
Okay, changing the subject. I mean, again, before we started recording, we were talking about different things. And one that you mentioned that you're quite into reading. Mm, so what, what, kind of, what kind of reading habits have you got? Well, I have a bad habit of ordering far too many books because one of the, <laughs> the things that I like most about living in Bali is that there's a website called Tokopedia, which is like the Indonesian, you must know of it if you lived here for so long, the, the Indonesian version of Amazon, let's say. And I didn't realize, but they do, um, they, they sell a lot of books on there for super cheap. So I've just been getting carried away with ordering. I think, so given, given that I live out of a suitcase, I think I have almost 40 books over on my little table here, which is kind of crazy, really. So that's one bad habit that I should potentially kick is stop ordering so many damn books. Um, but, but a good habit in, in terms of reading for me is just always keeping a book on me and a notebook and a pen and um, finding small pockets throughout the day t- to read. And my style of reading may be a little bit different to the norm in that I kind of read multiple books simultaneously in terms of I know why I've purchased each book. I know what the topic is and I usually have a reason for wanting to read that book in terms of, oh, I've got this question that relates to my life and I think this book will help me with that. So I kind of dip in and out of different books depending on what's on my mind or a conversation that I've had with someone. And that's actually another another tip that I would give is to read with intention and then recognize that if you're reading to learn and in order to, to put those um, teachings into practice in your own life, the learning doesn't stop when you've read the book. It's more about taking those ideas and putting them into practice or discussing them with other people. And I think that's really when you begin to absorb the the wisdom in a book if that makes sense um because i do think that there's a tendency to be like you know my my goal is to read 52 books this year i must read one a week tick 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 and it's like well where's all this come from the whole point was to to get something from this rather than reading for the sake of it you know so that's kind of the approach that i've been taking recently is to read with an intention take notes talk to people dip in and out of different books um and then kind of formulate ideas in that way and I think even writing about those ideas can be quite helpful as well what would you say um in books that you've read recently is there a book that instantly comes to mind that's really sort of impacted you yeah I mean all of the books that I've read recently I think because as I the more I read the more I know um what I'm looking for and there's I've kind of quite curious person and interested in a, a number of different things but some books that I've read recently would be anything around, broadly speaking, um, psychology, philosophy, those sorts of books really interest me. So I'm reading one now about therapy called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. Maybe You Should Talk to Someone um, about a psychotherapist talking about the interactions that she's had with different clients. And she's also going through therapy at the same time. So it's kind of speaking to like the human condition and problems that we all face i'm also reading the art of loving by eric from about again he's a um believe he's a psychoanalyst maybe um about what it means to to love someone i've read recently the master in emissary by ian mcgilchrist which is about the 
um, distinction between the left and the right hemispheres and the ways that they attend to the world. So both hemispheres are involved in attention, but they, they do so in different ways, with the left hemisphere being very narrow and focused and focused on manipulating things for its own need, whereas the, the right hemisphere is more about broad attention um, and, and just kind of the impact that's had on Western societies, particularly interesting. Uh, also exploring more about the idea of religion and spirituality from as someone who would have I would have you know referred to myself as pretty hardcore atheist in the past and now I'm like oh well, well maybe there are some some benefits to to this and how do we reconcile that with our scientific understanding of the world um so yeah just a, a number of different topics but I think the overarching direction or the common thread between them all is that I try to to understand myself other people and the the kind of world that we live in that's my overarching really broad you know reason for choosing these books so they all feed into that in in different ways it sounds like you've got a good, really good strategy of getting the most from a book and, and being quite intentional about what what it is you want to get from each book I mean, how, how did you develop that kind of habit I think it's come from just living more and and knowing you know having questions in in real life so why do people behave like that why you know why do we struggle with these things why are these problems occurring i don't understand and it's every time that i don't understand something that i have questions about it that i want to read more into it so um for example talking to friends about their relationships and thinking oh you know what does it even mean to to love someone and what about different kinds of love and that would be why i'd pick up a book like that so again it's kind of all relates to things that have happened in my life or conversations that I've had with people and I think yeah just being interested in in particular things and I think the best thing about a book is that you know you've got so many like years of like people put years and years of work of a lifetime of thought development into a book and then you you have the opportunity to pick up on that and absorb all of those teachings it's like oh my understanding of the world has gone from this to slightly bigger. <laughs> There's still so much that I don't know, but at least like I, I kind of feel like I have more of an idea or, uh, yeah, I guess it works both ways, more and less of an idea at the same time. But it's, um, yeah, it all relates to back, back to things that have happened or just questions that I have from real life, if that makes sense. I mean, we've, we've talked a couple of times in the, in the episode so far about sort of habits and what, on, on the subject of habits, have you, can you think of things you've had to work particularly hard at regarding habits in your, in your life? Um, yeah, that's a, a good question. I think, I guess with anything, it will be um, consistency. But as I say, when you really understand the purpose of something, it becomes so much easier so for me, one recent example has been with my training. So I'm now in Bali, and before that, I would move around fairly frequently, so kind of hopping from place to place every month, which is quite a lot, you know, when you, when you work and you have things to organize every time you travel. Um, so it's quite a, a fast-paced kind of lifestyle. With my training, I kind of found that I wasn't really – particularly loving weightlifting it was just something that I could do because I knew that you know I'd always have those that that equipment that I needed available but 
I didn't get too much enjoyment out of it. I went anyway just for knowing the, the benefits that it would have, you know, for my health, for my physical health and also emotional health as well, um, psychological well-being. But I, it wasn't something that I was super passionate about. Whereas now in, in Bali, I have the opportunity to vary my training so much more. So I had the idea that I would learn Olympic lifting when I was in Portugal for something to try. But again, you kind of need an in-person coach to, to learn technical lifts. So didn't really go anywhere with that, knowing that I was going to leave again soon. And now that I'm in Bali in one place, I've been exploring more of the martial arts side of things because there's a really good gym here. And I've been picking up um, jujitsu. And I've been really, really enjoying that recently. And it's been extremely easy for me to go to the BJJ classes um, every single day, well, six days a week. And now I can tailor my weightlifting to be conducive to improving my BJJ. And all of a sudden, that habit is like ingrained. Like that's easy for me because there's a clear purpose and my motivation is more intrinsic. Um, which I think is, is really crucial there. So it's about understanding that you don't need to do anything for the sake of it, but having a really good reason to do something makes the habit so much easier to establish in the first place. Um, so I'd, I'd say, what is your motivation for making a change is one important question to ask yourself. And why are you wanting to engage in these habits? And you'll likely find the process easier or you'll choose a different habit. You know, it's not always the case. There are some things that we you know, may decide are good for us and we don't really enjoy doing them. But I think in, in circumstances where you do have the option to kind of choose something that's going to enhance your life, then really getting to why you want to do something can make the process so much easier. And other than um, buying like a book every day or however many, you, know, you said you've been buying so many books, can you think of any bad habits that you've just maybe not given up on that are just too difficult to to combat or I don't know anything along those lines that's really really hard because I would say that I for myself I don't really have any expectations on things that I think I should be doing so I'm kind of at that that stage where I just try to reflect on what I'm doing and figuring out what I need to do more of and what I need to do less of. So for for one week, I could do do more of, say, socialising because I, I have these opportunities and people have invited me out. So one week I may do more of that. The next week I may be really, really eager to finish a project that I'm working on. So I may spend way more time working and less time socializing. So, and that's fine, you know. So it's about, I guess, for me, not being too inflexible with, oh, I must do this. This is my habit that I'm trying to establish. You know, I need to do this at this time every single day. I think that kind of thing can be helpful when initiating a habit. But when it comes to just kind of living uh, a lifestyle and figuring out what supports you and what you need I think having that ability as well to be a bit flexible I think that's that's really important so yeah I think for me if I don't feel like I'm 
I, I do have a bad habit of going to bed a bit too late sometimes when I get carried away with all the, whatever I'm doing, whether that's reading or hanging out with people, going out for dinner or whatever it is. Um, so you could say that that's a bad habit. And I'm at that stage where I'm okay with that. <laughs> you know. So again, it, it comes down to whether I really want to change something or not. I think that's always, always the important question to ask. How do you... Um... How do you see things developing for you in the next few years? Or, I mean, it's, it's obviously impossible to, to predict, but where would you like things to go over the next few years? Yeah, so it's a really great question because one of my favourite phrases for me is that I'm just pootling along. I'm just tinkering, just going with the flow kind of thing. But I do, of course, have some, some intentions of some things that I would like to be able to achieve. Um, one of the, the most crucial things for me actually right now is being able to to get into a position where I can take care of my family more. So my parents are both stuck in the UK, not having the best time with what's going on and really wanting to um, move abroad. And obviously, given that I've been traveling for so long, that's something that I'm all in favor of. So over the next few years, I would really love to be in a position to either employ one of my parents so they can have an online um, income or to be able to, for example, invest in a property for them in a different location, somewhere like Spain or Portugal or whatever. So that's kind of a, a personal goal for me. In terms of work and career wise I guess it's very difficult to answer because I'm one of those people who I just don't distinguish between life and work it's all just kind of life to me so I'm like oh what seems to be a problem here oh what can I do about this how can we help with this you know and I I've in terms of like the, the services that I offer they've all come as a result of people asking for them so for example one thing that I started to do towards the end of last year was to offer a mentorship service because people had asked do you mentor other coaches and I was like no I don't really I didn't think that that was it you know something that I was able to do or people would even be interested in but for well if someone's asked they can give it a go um, and that kind of took off and has been going really well. So I'm just like, okay, then I'm just kind of doing whatever people ask. And I think always exploring, or I know what I'm working towards in terms of this is my idea of what it means to be healthy. There are so many roadblocks to achieving that, that I'm just kind of working my way through them. And I think just things that I would like to do in relation to that, um, I'd like to pick up back up on my podcast because that's kind of taken a backseat as I've been working on these webinars there's likely to be other webinars in future on certain topics that I perceive to be you know um, important and I think bridging that gap between like psychology and nutrition is something that's quite important to me so reaching out to other professionals um, and, and filling in the gaps there so just anything that I just have this overarching aim and I don't know what road I'm going to go down to get there but I think as long as you're following that direction, you'll, you'll find your way anyway. So it's kind of a very, um, I guess, broad answer. But, yeah, I think it's well, been working all right so far. So <laughs> until something goes wrong, I think I'll stick to that strategy. So if people want to find out more about your, you know, your social media, your website, the, the webinars and so on, where are the best places to look? 
Probably the best place would be on Instagram, so that's at ShannonBeer underscore, if you want to hear some more about the coaching approach, and just, I guess, if you've got concerns about your own body image or your own eating behaviours, I speak a lot to that on there, and I also post the odd travel pic every now and then if you're into that, and book recommendations, so that would be the place for all of that. I've also got a website at www.shannonlbeer.com, and I have a number of articles on there, which may be useful also a bookshelf if you're interested in books and um links to to all the things that i offer there in terms of coaching consulting mentorships webinars and we also have as i said the the comprehensive coaching community um for for other coaches or even clients as well who want to learn more about that uh more more detailed integrative approach and the the website for that is btg comprehensivecoaching.com so yeah i'm sure all of that will probably be in the in the show notes but uh yeah a few different places that you can can reach me there right yeah i mean they'll as you say they'll all be in the show notes so so finally sharon is there um do you have a quotation you particularly like Mm, that's a great question actually because i came across one in the book the the one-on-one therapy that i was reading the other day and it's um, by Emerson. And again, it spoke to me because of the fact that I travel and because I got a tattoo um, recently along these lines. And the quote is, though we travel the world over to find the beautiful, we must carry it with us or we find it not. And my previous favorite quote would have been an Andy Warhol quote that is, um, everything has its beauty, but not everyone sees it. And I think that's just a reminder to me that, you know, getting wrapped up in thoughts and worries and anxieties and I guess not having that presence or that gratitude or that appreciation for all the things that we do have. Um, it's very easy to like we all fall into that every now and then you know and I think being able to step back and being like damn there are there are so many you know no matter how bad things feel there are so many good things in in the world as well so I also have this tattoo on my arm of a floral design that I got done in Lisbon and it was precisely for that reason to carry a piece of beauty with me to remind myself again like you know bring yourself back there there is so much here um, and I think that's just something nice to, to keep in mind. And this was after spending some time in Krakow and exploring, you know, everything that happened there in terms of Auschwitz, Birkenau, the Gestapo Museum. You know, I spent so much time looking at all of that that I was just like, oh, my God. I, you know, and then I had this moment where I was walking around the Botanical Gardens and it was so beautiful. And it was just like a really mindful moment. And the sun was like reflecting on the flowers. I was like, wow, isn't it crazy how, you know, there's a place where so much kind of horror and destruction happens, but there's also at the same time, you know, like these these beautiful moments. And I think that's kind of uh, a life lesson there somewhere. So yeah, carrying that little piece of beauty for me, uh, with me, wherever I go and not always looking for like external things and remembering that, you know, it's all about how you perceive the, the situation. Um, and remembering to, to find the, the beauty in everything because I think it's there when you look for it. Absolutely. Well, Shannon, thank you for your time. It's been a, it's been a real pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, well, thank you for having me on. It's been great to chat to you. Next week, episode five is with Fran McElwain. She's a health coach, 
and helps people around different areas around health and nutrition. And we discuss a lot of different things like resistance to change, meditation, how it is we get in our own way, some of her reading habits as well. And there's a, there's a lot more that we discuss next week. That's with Fran McElmoy. If you do like this episode, if you know anyone who would get some benefit from this, please do share the episode with them. Why not leave a review for us on Apple or, or Google Play or one of the other podcast platforms? And why not subscribe? So you get the episode every week when it's released 12 o'clock on Tuesdays. And hope you have a great week. See you next week.